be in prayer for those folks that are out and about. Uh, me and Paisley will leave here after a while, wherever she's at. Me and Paisley will leave here after a while, heading to the armpit of Tennessee for a little while uh, for a Bible school with Willowdale Baptist Church. So be in prayer for that, for that safe travels there and um, and for uh, just the Lord to touch in that. It's going to be a, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to the preaching part, not the pigeon forge part, but we're going to be going into Cades Cove and and doing the, the ministry work will be there inside Cades Cove. So I'm looking forward to that. That's one of my favorite places over there. Um, I think that, that was it. Well, if you've got your Bibles, turn over to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to be looking at some life lessons in a weird spot. There's, there's life lessons everywhere we go. I mean, everywhere we go in this world. It doesn't matter whether you're in school, whether you're at work, whether you're at church, whatever it is, there's going to be lessons that you learn. Keith had a really good example this morning about learning, about the lessons that you learn when he was help, uh, training the guy to do the finish work to make the cuts. He wanted to see half of his pencil mark. That's a life lesson right there. That's one that you'll never forget. My life lesson was five-eighths caulking will cover anything, but then he's a pretty particular carpenter, it looks like. So, But there's lessons that we learn all the time, everywhere we go. Growing up, believe it or not, I was a little bit athletic. Now, I was too, I was a runt, so they wouldn't let me play football, but I loved playing baseball. I loved playing golf and then got into softball. I loved it. One of the things that you learn about uh, life in sports is you learn about teammates. You learn about uh, being a team player. One of the things that I learned probably most of all out of playing sports was how to, res- how to respect your coaches. If your coaches respected you, it made it a lot easier for you to respect your coaches. If you had coaches that, that showed love, showed concern, uh, that they could see potential in you and they wanted to see the best out of you, if you had that encouragement coming from them, you, you tend to, to hold on to it and you would learn more. Sage, I was thinking about Sage this morning and, and the way that she plays whatever thing is that you play. It's because your teacher sees potential in you, and so and you've got it. It's inside of you, and so that teacher encourages that, and you see her go, and I know they went up to D.C. and, and they did some great things. So there's potential, and so having a teacher like that, it makes you want to do more, and you learn more, and you have a desire to want to learn more. So these life lessons are all around us, and that helps you. Helps you accomplish the end goal. It helps you accomplish your job. Helps you accomplish your studies. It helps you accomplish uh, just different things in this life that you're good at. Those kind of those those gifts that you've been given. People have learned lessons everywhere in this life. You learn them everywhere you go. And this morning we're going to look at a life lesson that's going to come out of the cemetery. Believe it or not, you can learn life lessons out of a cemetery. And that's where we're going to be at over here in John 11. And we're going, to, we're going to visit the graveyard with Lazarus. There's some lessons in that graveyard that we need to be reminded of. There's some valuable lessons in that graveyard that we have forgotten about. And so we're going to go back and reread that and look at these lessons. And uh, we're going to look at one of the, the, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's the easiest one to remember. But we're going to look at Jesus weeping. So if you've got your Bibles turned open, if you'll stand with me for a moment, John eleven thirty, that's where we're going to start. John eleven thirty. Bible says, Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. 
The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out and followed her, saying, She goeth into the grave to weep there. She was going to mourn. That's what that means. She was going to mourn at the cemetery. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man could not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And then he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Let's pray. Father, this morning as uh, we have come to you, Father, I pray that this morning as we look at this, this miracle, Lord, as we look at this resurrection, as we look at your son Jesus Christ and all power that he had where he has raised one from the dead, Father, I pray that we remember the power that he has, the power that he has right now, Lord, that he can still perform a great miracle. He can, can, he can still perform a great work in our lives. Lord, the, the, the son that raised the dead 2,000 years ago is still the son that can perform a great work in our life today. Lord, if there be one here that's struggling with something in, in their body, Lord, something in their home, something in their work, something that's just troubled them, Lord, I pray that we would find that power again. Lord, we would seek out your son, Jesus Christ, to lift that burden. Lord, to take away whatever it is that's bothering us. Lord, just to remove it because he is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And He, Lord, he is here with us today. And I pray, God, we call upon his name, Lord, to help and rescue us, to save us, to bring us some peace in our lives. Lord, again, we want to pray for those traveling, keep them safe and in their, uh, and get them to their destination and back home. God, and I pray that today, as we study your word, that we just glorify your name. I listen your son's name, we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So we've got Lazarus right here, and we've got several lessons we'll look at right here, some reminders of what Jesus can do. First thing we'll look at is, Jesus has just as much authority in death as he does in life. And it doesn't make sense. How can somebody have authority over the dead? Now, we know who Jesus is, and we know what he has done, and what he done for us on the cross. We know that he has authority in our lives right now. As you sit and you listen right now, as I stand here this morning, he still has authority over us. We're breathing. We're sitting here. 
Some of you might be asleep, but we're still sitting here. We're all alive. He still has authority over us, and he has authority over us when we're not here in it breathing. Verse 43 says, And when he uh, thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he, and he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Now I want to say one thing right now, and I think I've said this before. I know I've talked about it on Wednesday night. But other versions of the Bible have taken this right here, this one verse in verse 43 in red where it says, Lazarus, come forth. The new versions out there say, it says, Lazarus, come out. And this is where it's getting kind of nasty in the churches because they're saying right now that Lazarus was gay and this is Jesus approving for him to come out as an openly gay person. That is wrong. That is so wrong, and I cannot believe that they have the gall to take this and twist the words of Jesus in this way. I'm not going to get on that today, but I just want you to know that's wrong, and if you hear that, it is wrong. The Bible says, Lazarus, come forth, and Jesus was calling him to step out of that grave from death until life. That's all Jesus was doing. Jesus does not condone that. He does not, and he would not compromise what he believes and what we believe. We know, we know. So I'm not going to get on that, but I just want to clear that up for anybody that may have been hearing that here lately. If, if Lazarus has been dead for four days, how could he hear anything? How could he hear anything? That's, Cindy can back me on this one, because we had to deal with them Catholics. Here they are praying to old St. Bernadette. Do you, think, do you think they're getting anywhere? I think they're spinning their wheels. There ain't but one person that we need to be praying to. There ain't but one person in heaven that can hear us. And that's Jesus Christ, and he's the mediator between us and God. Not Bernadette, not Mary, not St. Peter, not St. John, not any of those saints. It is Jesus as the mediator. So how in the world is it that Jesus can talk to the dead? How in the world can the dead hear? Now, I've been to a lot of funerals. I've walked by many caskets up here in front of the pulpit, and I've sat and I've stared, and I've wept, I've cried. I've said things at a casket, but I knew that that person in that casket could not hear me. I didn't intend for them to hear me. I didn't say it for them to hear me because I know they can't hear me. The dead can't hear. But we have Lazarus, a dead man, and you're wondering how in the world could he hear he doesn't have the power to hear. We lose that power in death. We can't hear. We can't speak. We can't breathe. We can't think. We can't do anything. We're dead. But yet, Jesus still spoke to him. So how does Lazarus come out of the grave when Jesus says, come forth? The Bible tells us where that power came from. Up on high. The power to hear came from Jesus. When Jesus spoke the dead heard. He heard. Now, there's a point right here I want to make. He says, Lazarus, come forth. There's a reason that he says, Lazarus, come forth. Because he could have raised more than just one when he spoke. He said, Lazarus, because he wanted that one to come forth. He wanted to show his power and authority over the dead, but over one dead person. 
So he said, Lazarus, come forth. There does, or where does the power come from? God, from Jesus. That's where that power come from. Jesus, who has power over living because of what he did on the cross for us, that's where that power comes from. Because he conquered death. He conquered the grave. He has all power. So with that power, he can speak to the dead. He can raise the dead. And he doesn't lose that power through the dead. He doesn't lose his power, period. He has the power. He had the power, and he still has that power to speak to the dead. He doesn't lose it when you die. He doesn't lose that. Jesus doesn't lose power at all. Unlike Mountain Electric, I heard y'all have problems with the power up here with Mountain Electric always going out. So Jesus ain't like Mountain Electric. Jesus keeps his power always. Jesus had power over Lazarus when he was living, and he had him power over him when he was dead. Death didn't change anything. Not a, not a thing with Jesus. It didn't reduce his power in Lazarus' life. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The death or the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that should give us comfort right there. Jesus has taken away the sting of death. So for us as believers, as Christians, when it's time for us to go, that's a reward for us. Because we can pass through this life. We're done here. We're done dealing with heartache and hurt. And we're done with dealing with, with health problems and sin. We're done with that. Our reward, we get to go spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. That's our reward. So death took away that sting. That, the story... I've told y'all before, and I'm going to tell it again because I love this story about a son and a dad riding down the road, and there's a bee in the car, and the boy's terrified of the bee. He's allergic to bees. He said, Dad, if I get stung, I can't breathe. And the dad reached out, and he grabbed the bee and held it in his hand. And then he let the, the bee go. And the boy freaked out again. He said, Daddy, it's going to sting me. I can't breathe. I, I can't handle this. And dad stuck his hand out there, and he said, Look, son, the stinger's in my hand. I took the sting away from you so it can't hurt you anymore. That's what the Father done for us through Jesus Christ. He reached out his hand and he took away the sting of death from us so it can't hurt us anymore. As a Christian, we should not worry about the death. We should not worry about what happens at death because we've got peace in knowing we'll be home with Jesus after that. That should give us comfort. Number two, God moves our heart, but sometimes we forget that we move the heart of God. Verse 33 says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping with uh, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And verse 35 again says, Jesus wept. He wept. Go back over and look at verse 38 and 39. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time 
he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Now, when I'm preaching, sometimes I have an overwhelming sense of emotion that comes across me. I can stand here and, and I can be at home and I can study, and nothing moves me that much when I'm studying. But then I get up here and I start to preach, and I get this emotional come over me, just this overwhelming sense of, of love, and of, of just feeling his blessings, and sometimes I can't stand it. I just can't handle it. Not that I can't stand it. I just can't handle it. And I might shed a tear. I might get a little teary-eyed. I might even cry a little bit. I might get a little bit overwhelmed, but that's okay. I don't want to cry in front of you, but I don't have a choice because I'm so moved, so overwhelmed. There's nothing wrong with that. Actually, it took me a while to, to figure out that it's okay to stand up here in front of a bunch of people and cry. It's all right to do that. But it's because God has moved me. And I know there are times that he's moved our hearts to conviction. Deep down inside, he has moved us. Each one of us, not just me, but each one of us. And he's convicted us. He's moved us. And that conviction kind of bubbles up from inside. And, and you, just want to, you just want to cry a little. I've done something wrong. I've said something I shouldn't have said. And he convicts you. And it, it's just overwhelming. And he, want, and he wants you to feel that, that emotion and let it bubble up and just let it come out. There's times that he's moved our hearts to, to search out truth. And it just, again, it bubbles up from inside. He, you're, you're searching and it's just so overwhelming that you can't contain it and you just start weeping like Jesus wept. But Lazarus right here reminds us that we also move the heart of God. Lazarus. And the situation with Mary and Martha and the disciples that were there, it moved Jesus. So the Holy Spirit moves our hearts and can overwhelm us and make us weep. But we also can move the heart of Jesus. We also, like Mary and Martha, can cause a groaning to come up and make it overwhelming for him. Jesus was moved by Mary's crying. I can watch things on TV or on YouTube or whatever, and, and it can be all fun and games, and that person can be speaking, but if they start crying, a lot of times I'll start crying. We had the High Country Radio Association yesterday. I went over for the, the raffle that they were giving at 2 o'clock. My sister, my brother-in-law, was the president and the secretary of it, and um, I had known that they had a, a generous lady over in Fosco had given – the association, $80,000, anonymous, anonymous donation to this association. I knew about it. I was one of two people that knew about it. And they asked me if I would design the check. They wanted to give her a fake check, so I designed the check, and uh, we printed it out, and I wanted to be there for it. It didn't do anything for me. $80,000, I'm tickled to death. That's going to be a nice rodeo arena. That's what it's, that's what it's uh, earmarked for is an arena. But we were, I was there yesterday just to watch them hand a, the check over to the lady that's over the association and she was reading it and she got to crying she was so overwhelmed you know what i got to cry and i got a little overwhelmed i got to looking around there's a bunch of cowboys there and they're crying a little bit too they got a little bit overwhelmed we can get overwhelmed with emotions you go to a funeral sometimes you go into a funeral and nothing happens there's no emotion there for you you're just there you're there to support the family or or something like that but then 
maybe somebody sings or somebody speaks and it just gets you and everybody starts feeling a little bit overwhelmed, starts crying just a little bit. Jesus, remember he was 100% God and 100% man. That 100% man came out right there. He wept with them. He mourned with them. He's, he don't, he, he's like us. He doesn't want to see somebody hurting. He doesn't want to see somebody mourning. It's terrible. It's a, it's a hard position to be in sometimes to be with somebody as they're mourning because you cannot find the words to comfort them. Deep down inside, you'd like to say, I feel your pain or I'm here for you and I'm supporting you, but you cannot utter a word to comfort them. And so the best thing for you to do is just cry right along with them. Just cry right along with them. But then Jesus gets to that gravesite and he's moved. We get to the gravesite. Does that not move us? I can sit in a funeral and I'm, I'm usually pretty good. But it's that point when you put that person on top of that grave and you're getting ready to lower them down. And sometimes it just hits hard. It just hits hard. And Jesus, there at the grave, Jesus, Jesus right there at the cave with that stone rolled over it, he groaned and he wept. He was emotional. We can move the heart of Jesus just like Jesus can move our hearts. Number three, God has the power to do what he wants to accomplish with us, without us, but he chooses to use us. Remember I said earlier, he's all-powerful. He can do anything. He could do anything. Again, we go back to the cross. He could have called down angels to take Jesus off the cross, but no, he didn't. He didn't do that. Jesus can do anything, but sometimes he, he likes to use us to do things for him. He likes for us to be his hands and feet. He likes to use us as disciples. He likes to use us as believers especially if we do it in the right manner and give him the glory and do it in his name. John eleven thirty nine 39, it says, Take ye away the stone. Take ye away the stone. I love this part of this, this whole story right here. Jesus called Lazarus from the grave, but he asked people for help. He wanted to use people. He was getting ready to do a, a great miracle. But he still wanted to use people that were there with him. You go back in the Bible, and you look at some of the things Jesus done. Now remember, he, done two, he had people do two different things here at the cemetery. He said, I need you to move the stone, and then he told them to take away the grave clothes. Two things right there. He said, move the stone, take away the grave clothes. And my Bible says, Jesus healed a blind man. And my Bible says, Jesus gave dumb ability to talk my bible says he helped the lame man walk my bible says he put an ear back on the feller my bible says that he helped a woman with the issue of blood stop bleeding so why in the world would my jesus who can do all that stuff have somebody move a stone away why would my jesus that is raising the dead say hey you guys take them clothes off of him Take them grave clothes off of him because Jesus loves to use his people. He loves to use the church. He loves to use the Christians. He loves to use Chestnut Dale. 
He loves to use each individual one of us. He loves to use us to glorify His name. Just because He's all-powerful doesn't mean He's going to do everything on His own. He's going to use His people, and we're going to glorify His name when it happens. He could have demanded. He could have said, stone, go. And that stone just, it could have turned into a pile of gravel. Lazarus, come forth. Death clothes drop. Could have happened. But he didn't do that. He said, I've got people here. I've got Mary and I've got Martha. And I've got some disciples. I've got some Jews. I've got people here. Let's all get in here and have a part of this. He made them a part of this miracle. Once that stone was rolled away, he spoke, Lazarus rose, and then those guys got to work. And I got thinking about those people that put them clothes on him, them grave clothes, you know, just shreds of cloth. All, all, it's tedious work. It's tedious. I mean, you gotta, you're wrapping forever. Every individual toe, they don't just wrap the foot. You wrap the toe, then you work your way up around the foot, around the ankle, and then up the shin, and around the knee, and then up the thigh, and then you got to start wrapping around the waist, and you come up the waist to the chest, and then you go down the arm and do each individual finger. It takes hours to do it properly. Jesus could have just snapped his finger or pointed his finger or just spoke, which is probably what he had done, just spoke, and it would all just fell off. But, but he said, Take them things off of him. Be a part of this ministry. Be a part of this miracle with me. It goes right back to what you said about laying on of hands. Taking away. One person, one person should not have that kind of responsibility or power to heal. That's why laying on of hands is so important. Because the church gets together. We all lay hands. We all pray over them together. It's all of us doing it not just one individual person it wasn't just one person moving the stone wasn't just one person removing the clothes it was everybody was involved it was a group effort it was a church effort everybody's doing it everybody's involved jesus did the miracle but he used the folks who are around him to do the work as well not because he had to it's because he chose to because he wanted to he wanted to use his people Fourth thing, last thing. Sometimes God lets a situation go from bad to worse so that it's more obvious to you when he moves to work. Lord, why would you let this get any worse? Lord, how could you let this happen? Or, you know, we've all said, could it get any worse? It could. But he does allow things to get worse sometimes so that we can actually see him at work. Verse 32 says, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And then verse 39 says, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of, of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Mary thought it was too late for God to do something because Lazarus had been dead. Four days. Four days. 
And there's a whole bunch of Jewish tradition in, behind the four days. But by the fourth day, they're stinking. By the four, especially there uh, in Israel in that area, the heat and inside a cave, it's like a little oven. wasn't as cool as you think it is. And so it's kind of speeding up the process. And so Jesus let it go for four days just to, just to make sure that he was dead. Because people could go unconscious back then. They didn't have doctors like we do now. They didn't have heart monitors. They couldn't hook them up to 12 lead and, and read around their heart and see if they were still beating or any of that stuff. They couldn't do that. So after the third day, they could confirm that they were dead. Took them three days. So he'd give it one more day just to verify, just to prove that he really, truly was dead. And when he raised this person from the dead, he truly was dead. He wasn't just somebody unconscious or playing possum in a cave. He truly was dead. Mary thought Jesus could have done something for Lazarus when he was living. That's the first part of what we just read. Lord, if you'd just been here, we wouldn't be in this predicament. Lord, if you'd just been here, my brother wouldn't be in there. Lord, if you had just hurried up, sped things up a little bit, and not lollygagged around, Lazarus would still be here with us, and we'd be having a family reunion. You could come to the house and eat biscuit and gravy with me. But no, you drug your toes, and now he's dead. She was, she was pretty upset if you'd just been here. Martha thought it was too late because Lazarus was in the grave again four days. He says it's too late. She knew. She knew what the fourth day was. She knew. They all knew. And so she was upset. She was mad. You don't have to raise your hand because I think we can all be, we're all in the same boat. You ever been mad at Jesus before? You ever just question him? Why? Lord, why? I don't think there's a person in this church can sit here and say, I've, I've not questioned God. I think we all have. That's us. Lord, if you'd just been here, this wouldn't happen. Lord, why? Why would you let this happen? And Jesus, he delays his journey two days so the situation can go from what? Bad to worse. He delays it. He just lets it go because he wants them to see his power. He's got it, and he wants to show it. And he wants to prove to them who he is. He wants them to see it. He needs us to see that sometimes because we get, we get a little lax. Sometimes we get just kind of set in our ways, and we forget just how powerful God is. So sometimes just to remind us of who he is, things in our lives will go from bad to worse. But then he shows up. He's always been there, but then we see that power pop. We see what he's doing. Jesus did this so both... Mary and Martha, us as readers now, so we could all see the movement of God when he works in the situation. You can't sit there and say that it was anything but God. You can't say it was the doctors. You can't say that it was the miracle workers. You can't say it was, oh, they put some special spices on him that really made him, it woke him up. It opened up his nasal cavity and he's able to breathe. No, you can't sit here and tell me that it was anything but God. That's exactly what it was. It was God. That's all. It was just him. If Jesus would have come when Lazarus was on his deathbed, you might say that he could have gotten better on his own. 
I've read that before. If Jesus had just showed up, it would have been like some of the other miracles that he performed. If he had just showed up while they were alive, more than likely he would have just got better on his own and Jesus wouldn't have got any credit. Jesus, they would have just wrote that off to how he just had a cold. But Jesus waited. In the ground four days, there's no answer other than God for that to happen. That's all there was. Sometimes it's our, our lack of faith that causes God to wait until the situation gets worse so that he is sure to get the glory. That's, he just wanted his Father glorified. We give it a day or two, see what happens. And then God gets the glory. He just wants to remind us of that. Do you realize Jesus has power and authority over you? And not even death can prevent that. Jesus had power and authority over Lazarus. And he proved to us in this story right here that not even death can stop his power. Not even death. We think death is the end of the line for us, don't we? When we, we, we think about it, we talk about it, might be preparing our will or might be getting things ready at the funeral home just so your family don't have to deal with it. And you think, well, that's the end of it. Everything stops right then. It, it don't stop God's power. It does not. That's how we can have a safe and secure salvation knowing that He has conquered death for each one of us. He's overtaken it. Psalm 56, 8 says, God holds the tears of the saints in heaven. Do you realize that you move the heart of God? Does it ever dawned on you that you move his heart? And David wrote that. He said that he holds the tears of the saints of heaven. I can't remember. If, I think it says in a jar or a bottle. I can't remember how it's worded. But he, you move him. You move him. He moves us through the Holy Spirit, just like that groaning that went through Jesus as he wept. He, he moves in us. But we also move him. So do you think that he's, he's, a, he's the heavenly father? Do you think sometimes we disappoint him? Yeah. You think sometimes we move him with sadness? Yeah, probably. We, we mess up every now and then. And it moves him. He knows when you're hurting and he sees you crying yourself to sleep at night. That moves him. When, when you lay in bed at night and you're, you're weeping over someone in your family that might be lost or a friend that you know that might be lost and you're praying for them and, and you're not just praying for them, you're weeping over them. You move him. You move God. You keep moving him. You keep praying for that lost soul to come to Jesus. You keep moving God through that prayer. Do you know that even though God can accomplish his will on earth without us, that he's going to use us? He's going to use this church. I promise you that. He could do a lot of things without us, but he'd rather use us. Like I've always said, we're not, we're not saved to sit, we're saved to serve. He's going to use us to accomplish his will, whatever it might be. He's going to use us. Stand with me just a moment. We're going to close out.
those four days, from the time Lazarus got sick until he died, and then four days later, things went from bad to worse for this family. You might be here this morning and thinking about what's going on in your life, and it seems like things went from bad, you think they're bad now, and they just seem to get worse and worse. Just remember, there's going to be a great movement of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a great movement from God. So hang in there. Just hang in there. He's going to get you through it. I promise you that. Let's pray. Father God, this evening as we close this service out, Lord, we just thank you for so many mighty miracles that we've read in the Bible. But Lord, not just the ones in the Bible that we've read, but the ones that we have witnessed firsthand. God, we've seen you touch and heal. We've seen you do a great work in so many people's lives in this church and, and around us. And Lord, today I pray that we continue to, to see that power. We can feel that power. Lord, as some of us might be suffering right now where we think it, it can't get any worse right now. Lord, I know at the end of the tunnel there's going to be a, a great movement of you. And God, I pray that you would allow us to glorify you and to praise you. Lord, just give you all the credit for what takes place. And God, this morning as we close out, I pray that there just has been a movement in somebody's heart. Lord, I pray that it's moved somebody that might be struggling with something, whatever it might be going on in their lives. I pray today that this is reassuring, this is refreshing to them, knowing that it's not the end and we still have hope. And that hope is in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you be with us as we leave this place. Be with them uh, Wednesday night as they start out a, a new Bible study. Be with us as we travel uh, with the youth group. Lord, I pray for a, a great movement there in, in the youth. And Lord, for those lost souls, Lord, that they'll hear the gospel. And Lord, I, I pray for salvation for any one of those that may be lost that goes with us. Lord, I pray again today that you would just continue to use this church, grow this church. And Lord, I pray all that we do inside these four walls glorifies your name. We love you this morning. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Like I said, we've got a, we're starting a new Bible study this Wednesday night. Uh, we've got some books up here. It's, we're going to be breaking down the parables. So if you can be with us Wednesday, that would be great. And we'll see y'all. I'll see y'all next Sunday, not Wednesday. <laughs>